Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to episode five of Poddy Training Podcast. Today's episode is all about getting home. I'm Lloyd Hollett. And I'm John Griffiths. Good afternoon. How are you, mate? I am very well. Had a bit of a lazy weekend, this one. So still in lockdown, aren't we? Still there, still clinging on. Absolutely. But um, no, it's been good, actually. And um, Logan's been on fine form this week, Um, although we had a bit of a scare the other night. So when we set up his nursery, he's got quite a small, it's a relatively small room. It's the sort of third bedroom in the house. And um, we had the, (laughs) we had the cot near the door. Yeah. And that was fine. Then we had the changing station sort of at the end of the cot by the window. And that's been fine for 18 months. And the other day I put him to bed and I came downstairs and we sat downstairs and we just heard the door open and a bit of a giggle as if he couldn't believe what he'd done. And then we just heard, hello, daddy. And we looked up the stairs and he looked so pleased with himself. And he basically leant over his cot, opened the door and was shouting downstairs to us. Oh, he hadn't climbed out the cot. He hadn't climbed out the cot, but um, that's something. So we had that. We had a little glimpse into what's going to happen when we take the the sides off the cot. But we had to put him back, and then he did it again. <laughs> to put him back, <laughs> oh, and then the next dear. day we've had to switch the nursery around and move the move the cot away from the door. Oh no! Just crazy, just crazy. And thank <laughs> God he didn't jump out. But um, what about Ottilie? How's she? Well, it's funny you say that. No, she's great. She's really on top form and uh, well, kind of embracing lockdown. I'm really enjoying it. Actually, it's it's you know it, it, things are things are very different. Uh, we've changed our, our a new tactic this week. We've changed our breakfast, lunch, and dinner times because okay. she would have a, a great breakfast. She always has a great breakfast, but she's kind of been skipping lunch and skipping dinner, and and it's like oh, I can't just rely on breakfast. And we think the times because she had been eating at like nine o'clock. And then we'd, she'd eat at one o'clock and then she'd want to snooze at like two o'clock. Uh, so a, a routine for food has been up and down. So we changed her dinner times. We had a theory. Let's try. So bang on eight o'clock, we'd give her her breakfast. And then 12 o'clock, give her her lunch and five o'clock, give her a dinner. And you know what, mate? It's been working every last All couple right. of days. She's had the whole lot. I think the the gap time in between, you know, she it's getting her up early because she's been, you know, daddy, daddy, or mommy, mate, it's six o'clock in the morning. And it's mm. been hard to kind of ignore her because, you know, we don't want to ignore her. Don't the neighbors thinking, oh, what horrible bastard parents they are ignoring <laughs> their daughter at six in the morning, but she can't get us up at six. So, uh, but we're pleased with that. She's been, so, um, do you, so, do, so do you then, you leave her, do you, if she does that, you don't get her up and give her some food and then put her back to bed. When she calls, just, no, when she calls us initially, we go in the bedroom and she straight away asks for books. Right, okay. We open the door and she says, good morning, daddy, or good morning, mummy, which is another new thing the last couple of weeks. And they said, books, books. You don't want, I said, do you want to get out? No. Do you want breakfast? No. Do you want a bath? No. Books, books. So she points to her bookshelf, which has lots of books, and she started telling us which books, like the wonky donkey she likes at the moment. Uh, so we give her them and... She just sits up and we open a little bit of the blind to give her a little bit of sunlight to see. Otherwise, she's reading in the dark. Um, and uh, and then the next time is, is when we get her up. Right. Amazing. Amazing. Ottilie, you know, we, we, she made me dance to Baby Shark like eight times yesterday. And like, we played the song on Alexa downstairs. Then she said, again, again. So I was dancing with her bunnies on the floor to Baby Shark. And she was loving it. We did it eight times. And then all of a sudden she went, Panther. 
control. So my favorite uh, kids quid, uh, kids cartoon as a kid was the Pink Panther, all the cartoons, which right. I've got all of them on Blu-ray. I've introduced them to Ottilie. She's obsessed with it. So when she goes to bed, she demands that the Pink Panther theme is on a loop through the night. How funny. But do you, I mean, do you not worry that what that might be doing to her brain, having the Pink Panther rolling around in it all night long? Is she going to become sort of a, you know, is she going to grow a moustache and wear a, a raincoat and walk around? <laughs> Spectaculous, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean. I'm glad that, that she's changed the song because she's had King Kong by Ottilie Patterson ever since she was born. So it's only the last month that the music's changed. So, and um, this is all night long, on loop, the Pink Panther soundtrack. Yes, and you can loop a song. If, if you're a parent, this is a good thing. And this is in my notes today. It's, a, it's an important thing. So, yes, it's on loop, mate. Wow. All night long. My Danny's sister, my sister-in-law, think we're mad. I, I mean, are we, we play music to Logan, but we tend to play um, classical music, um, which we've done, again, all his life. And it just is that trigger for him to know that, right, this is bedtime. He, he doesn't listen to classical music any t- you know he loves as i said he loves the wiggles he loves like high tempo music but then when it comes to night we just put on sort of sleep classical or any sort of classical music for kids and that's what he goes to bed to and then we tend to sort of stop that when we go to bed using we, we use the other we use google home okay um but the pink panther theme tune i mean i'm picture <laughs> I, I, that's hilarious i really I, I cannot i almost want to fast forward 20 years and see her sitting down with her psychologist um and that being the the moment the psychologist goes oh okay that that explains it i guess i guess we should turn it off she might sleep for longer it's six in the morning daddy that's fucking song i've heard it 400 times now sorry yeah. <laughs> So last time we spoke about Ottilie's birth, and I thought it was brilliant. And I was thinking about it for a few days afterwards. I thought you were wonderful, but I've said all that. Um, and now we're sort of jumping into to getting home. So what, let's start with you, because we did your birth last. And what, what do you remember? You, you remember, you know, you said to us you walked out of there with the, the car seat and you did it up too tight. And then you got this, you get home. So... Talk to, talk to us about that. Yeah, seven and a half hours after being born. We were, we were discharged at 10.30 in the morning and we couldn't believe it. We thought we'd still be, uh, well, just about starting the induction. Um, so to be home was, again, it was surreal. Again, it was all part of the shock for me. I think that's why I didn't cry. I still hadn't cried. Um, there's a lovely picture of, of me carrying her out of the hospital, which Danny took, and we, we'll put that up on the website. But Ottilie was smaller than expected, um, so there, that, that encountered new problems for us. So she was going home in an outfit that was too big. All the clothes we had, we, 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 you know, it was it was none of it fitted her. Right, okay. You know, she could wear all that stuff to school and university. We really <laughs> didn't plan on a, a really little baby, um, a very healthy baby at that, but... Um, so that was an interesting... And she was a couple of weeks late, which is odd, isn't it? Because they're usually a bit bigger. But... Yeah, yeah. I had to go to Tesco's the following day and get another, uh, a few outfits. But uh, but we didn't know, you know, what was it? What do we do? What was right? What's not right? How do you dress her? How many layers? Um, my word. But it's interesting you saying you, you remember because um, we I was talking to Lauren about this this episode um, earlier and, and we both really don't remember getting home. I mean, did you get home? Are you still at the hospital? So we, um, so obviously we went into hospital on the Monday. Logan was born on the Wednesday, and we got discharged on the Friday. Mm-hmm. So we'd been in hospital for for five days. Got home, 
And I remember leaving the hospital because, again, Lauren's got a nice photo of me carrying out. And I remember getting to the car. I don't really remember getting home. And we certainly don't remember. I think we got in. I think we put Logan into this sort of little Moses basket in the living room. And you know what? I I do sort of recall us just going on YouTube and just starting watching random videos. Mm -hmm. Just just like nothing has really happened. I think we were just both in shock, both knackered. Wow. Uh, My mum and dad came to visit. And again, we'll come on to people visiting immediately after the birth in a bit. But and then what I do remember is is so funny. I remember sitting there and it got to about nine o'clock at night. And obviously we're both just knackered. It's been a hell of a week. And we were trying to do his feed every four hours because we'd had this sleep consultant and we were trying to put him on this schedule. And I um, I turned to Lauren and I, I said, why don't we go to bed? Um, I can read for a bit. And then we could do the feed at 11.30. Hmm. As if the newborn baby we'd just brought home was going to play ball like that. Yeah. I was so ignorant. I was so confident. I, it was just, I was naive. Yeah, dream on. And, I mean, really, I, I think back and I just sort of cringe when I think about that. And he'd slept well in hospital, but again, I think he'd been through quite trauma and he was in the neonatal unit for the first night and then he was in the, the sort of transition ward with Lauren the second night. He slept through really well. Good. This night, we got upstairs. It was absolute carnage. And I think he must have cried all night long. I don't remember any of us sleeping. We were changing nappies. We were changing clothes. We were trying to feed him. We were messing up the feed and getting him wet so we'd have to change him again uh, i mean it was just the the sort of welcome to being a dad by logan griffiths <laughs> i mean it was just uh, what was your first night like was it the same or did otterly you know just have the pink panther on loop and sleep beautifully no she didn't have pink panther then uh where well, we slept in the same room me and danny for two nights with otterly and it made sense as danny was was breastfeeding all night um but of course like you say none of us slept none of us slept at all and goodness me we're still recovering from everything that had gone on i was totally out of it i only had two hours sleep in nearly three days now which is pretty oh. surreal so you just feel hung over you feel like you've got jet lag um and i i i don't look at it as as as, as you just said i don't recall her crying but i remember the, the, uh, how tired we both were that was that was it. of course she was crying and trying to get used to the breastfeeding and get, get your head around it because the midwife had kind of taught Danny how to get Otley to lock on to the nipple uh as, as, you know before we were discharged so then it was very soon that we changed our our sleeping patterns um and I know not a lot of people do this but I would sleep from 10 in the evening till 7 in the morning in the spare room so I would get, a, get completely out of it. I'd put, yeah. you know, I'd put um, earplugs in to so just get some rest. And then, so Danny would be breastfeeding Ottilie throughout the night uh, in in in, a, in our, our you know master bedroom, and it was it was beautiful for them. It was special. They were bonding, skin time really important. And then I would take over uh, at seven a.m. Uh, with form, I lo- formulas. I, I love that. I love. I love the idea of some blokes listening to this now, and they're <laughs> going to be citing you and <laughs> quoting you, and the wives are going to be like, "Who the hell is this Lloyd Hollett guy?" Yeah, because they're going to be like, "Look, love, I listen to this podcast. Uh, Lloyd slept <laughs> ten till seven in the morning. Let her get on with it." <laughs> yeah, he's, he's these the, women he's, are going to be hunting you down. <laughs> he's a pink panther guy. <laughs> Because, I mean, you're right. I, I actually know, surprisingly, I know quite a few men that did actually sleep in the spare room. 
I think it's I think it's a thing, and it depends on on the situation. Because we, because Lauren had obviously um, had the episiotomy, her back was ruined. She had had a lot of stitches down there, so she couldn't jump out of bed in the night. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I remember we swapped sides of the bed, so I was actually next to Logan because we had one of those things that attached, and he was on the side of our bed effectively. Yeah, next to me, we had one of them. Yeah, and I think they're very recommended, and the recommendation is that the baby stays in the same room as you for six months. Isn't yeah, it? That's absolutely. The, that's the thing at the moment. I mean, it might change again, but that's what it is at the moment. And um, and so yeah, where we were sort of we would take it in turns. I would do I would tend to do the nights because it was easier. And actually, Lauren was really struggling to breastfeed. Um, it just really wasn't working for her um, as much as she really wanted it to happen. As much as you know, he was trying. It just just didn't really work Mm -hmm. um which made you know made it easier for me to do it i think you're right i think if the the woman is breastfeeding through the night there's not a lot you can do as a dad really at that point and so i think your strategy of then giving her that rest was actually probably quite a good one well that was it and then we've tried it for a few days with the breastfeeding and i did like you just said i did feel you know i feel i felt left out i felt i felt sad i felt like i was missing out and the breastfeeding wasn't wasn't really working as as well as we'd wanted it to as as, as much as danny would hoped it would um so then we resorted to to part breast part formula so she would do breast throughout the night and then i would take over at seven doing formula so then i felt like i was getting time that's not the reason we jumped to formula it was because danny really struggled with the breastfeeding and yeah. again that's a big taboo subject breastfeeding it's like it's like politics or or money it's people so many people are like no you have to breastfeed you never formula or, oh, or vice ridiculous. versa and then danny uh her family had, had always all her and her sister were breastfed and they were totally against formula me oh. personally me it makes me actually really angry yeah my mum uh, had five kids all of them were formula so yeah. it's, it's that that was so i was i was i was totally pro formula i was trying to say, come on we should just formula from the get-go really sma all the way my dad would say sma all the way um and danny was like no no breastfeed it's what we did in our lot you know so it's <laughs> Do you know, and, and it just annoys me because, you you know, going through, I mentioned this in the NCT episodes, you know, there is a lot of pressure on women to breastfeed, you know, breast is best, all that stuff. And some women can't do it. And that's just, and, and you know, what about these kids that are adopted? Um, you know, I've got friends, Tom and Neil, they've um, just adopted their second child, beautiful little girl called Bella. How are they going to breastfeed? And what, so you're saying now we've got to write off the rest of her life because she's not, I mean, it's ridiculous. And my, um, my cousin, uh, Georgina, she's probably one of the cleverest people I know. Very, very successful, works in the city, um, like very, very clever. And she was raised on formula. And it, uh, I said this about the cesarean thing. You're not going to go into a restaurant and go, formula, formula, breastfed, breastfed, breastfed. I mean, it's just, it, I'm sorry to say, it's just bullshit. If you can breastfeed, great. You know, they know it gives antibodies and, and there's a closeness to it. And Lauren really wanted it because that closeness. But Logan's pretty much been on formula his whole life and he's doing all right. Mm-hmm. So I think just, oh, just stop the pressure on this, please. Yeah, yeah. There was Not a you, lot, you lo- get it. A lot of pressure. And uh, we, we even got one of those electric pumps. Uh, that yeah. Kind of, you know, suck it all out and, you know, just go to bed and put it on automatic and it would just suck, suck, suck until the bottles got. Was a, this for you? Little, just for me. Just for me. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, and, and that was stressful in itself. You know, they're, they're not cheap. Um, no. But uh, like you say, formula, you know, she's 
we ended up with anti-reflux in the end because she suffered really bad with bringing everything up straight away and, and right. the uh, the uh, anti-reflux completely solved the problem. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend Formula. I mean, I think, you know, the key thing is for, for, us, for us guys in those first few days, and we're literally talking about the first few days at the moment, it's all about supporting that woman and making it as stress-free as possible. Is is what I is is kind of what it boils down to for me, and I think you would probably agree. Yeah, I, I do. You had a lot of uh, family and friends supporting you, didn't you? Um, yeah, I mean, we got so Lauren's parents obviously. Well, Lauren's dad lives in France. Lauren's mum lives in Scotland. My mum and dad live about an hour and a bit away, down in sort of Portsmouth way. Um, so we don't have anyone very very close, but everyone seemed to manage to come within those first few hours, which I get. It's lovely. You, they want to see the baby. They want to make sure, obviously, particularly in our case, they wanted to just make sure Lauren was all right um, and, and see Logan. What about you? What was your experience? Did you have many people come or did you manage to keep them at bay? Nobody. No one? Well, I I, I think we kind of gave vibes that we didn't want anyone. We, right. we, we weren't like uh, shouting from the rooftops, come, come over, come round. Uh, it, was, it wasn't that. So... I think you know people respected that, which was nice. And we had my my parent, my mum, my dad was. This was a weird time for me because my dad, um, he'd kind of uh, just been diagnosed with Parkinsonism, which was a form of Parkinson's, and he was really in a bad state. And we thought he was a goner. We really did. Oh. And so that was kind of um, overtaking everything. Um, yeah, my dad was really, really unwell. He'd been to hospital mm. several times. He was very weak. So there was that going on. So we knew dad couldn't come because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't right to be around a healthy baby. So, but then my mum came with my uncle in the, the next day and that was really nice. And they came for about half an hour, but that was it. There was, there was no other, other, no other person. We had no one. And to be honest, we look back and we're glad about that. We're glad we had that time to reflect, to get used to our new surroundings, our new uh, addition to the house. Uh, so I, I, I'm glad there wasn't a big influx of people that I think I'd have, I'd have gone out the wall if that was the case. Yeah. And I think we'll come on to it in a future episode about the sort of the weeks and the first few months. And I do think you need to, I do think you need to phase it. And I think you need to be quite strict with people and not let everyone descend at once because we had, yeah, my mum and dad came and then Lauren's mum flew down from Scotland. And that was really nice because, well, my mum and dad have got other grandkids. Lauren's mum, this was her first grandkid. And so it was a really special moment for her and she wanted to come see her daughter. But for me, it was it was interesting because when they left, I think my body kept me going. My body, My body got me through that week and I think it kept me going for that weekend. But actually that weekend was probably one of the worst I've ever had in my life in terms of I I felt sick. I couldn't eat. I was getting really cold. The weather was actually quite good, despite it being October. I was really cold. I felt really anxious. And again, that was really not like me. I've never had that before. And um, I was kind of sneaking off and Googling um, postnatal anxiety in men. Right. Yeah. Um, I was really worried. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't want to admit it. I felt a bit stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and And what's funny is, you think about it like you say you had a couple of hours sleep we were probably i was probably knackered i was probably malnourished i probably hadn't been eating properly that week my whole world had changed and since i've mentioned it to a couple of the nct dads they all said they felt similar they all said oh my god i'm so glad you've said something because we felt the same um 
And what was great, it was, was our midwife, um, this lady called Rachel, who was just wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Um, she actually, when I spoke to her um, a couple of weeks later and said, look, that's how I felt. She said to me, okay, well, look, we can give you a chance to debrief. Now, I didn't really know what she meant. And I said, no, I'm all right, thanks. I'm fine now. And I'll, I'll talk to you about that in a second, why, why I was fine. But what was interesting is a year later, it really manifested itself into into proper anxiety. And that's when I had to go and have, have the sort of counselling. Mm. And I think Rachel, you know, was trying to say, look, let's have a debrief. Effectively, let's let, let your brain process what you've been through. And being a guy, I was like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, it's all good. And I should have probably had that debrief. Yeah. Um, but what, you know, what about you? How did you feel those first few days in your head? Well... <sighs> Looking back, I don't. I don't think I did anything different. I don't. I don't look back and think I, I. I suffered what you went through. But my wife says that she. She said a few times she thought I was. I was going through something like that. Uh, right. Post uh, natal uh, like depression. I, I, and you, I would get down, and I. I wouldn't. I couldn't work out why because I'm. You know, I'm the jolliest soul at the party, and um, you just get, get down and really down and. Uh, it was. I think it was anxiety. It was the first time I mm. suffered anxiety, like yourself. But um, I would never say anything. My goodness me! I kind of like this is probably the first time I'm ever speaking about it. And I, 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 I think looking back, I, I knew I was about to uh, eventually go back to work because uh, my work at the time was working on cruise ships. So I, I was mm. imminently due on a cruise ship, which was ended up being five weeks later, and. Uh, but I would be away on a 10 day cruise in like the Caribbean um, and uh, working as a comedian. So I, I started feeling major guilt knowing this, this time was imminent. It was coming up. And, and once I started getting back to work, I would, you know, I'd wake up, you know, one day we did the Mediterranean cruise in Barcelona one day and then Venice the next I'm on my own and I'm doing these pictures and sending it to my wife and she's at home on her own doing everything, you know, a family live in Wiltshire and, um, and it was, it was very surreal. It just felt wrong, but you know, mm. you, you got to earn, you got to bring money to the table. Um, it, it was very lonely. There was no like support network. I didn't do NCT. Um, the neighbor was a savior. I must admit our neighbor, Nikki, who helped us immensely. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't feel the sick or the cold, or I couldn't eat. I mean, I could eat like a pig. But <laughs> it was. I think again, it's a collection. I still was going through this. I'd not cried. I'd not. I'd not had that break of emotion coming out. It hadn't come yeah. out yet. So um, yeah, and that's interesting. You mentioned that because the cry for me, obviously, I cried when Logan was born, and then you kind of suck it up and you go right. Next few days, get through that, and you're strong and. I honestly think your body goes right. I'm going to give you enough adrenaline just to keep you going as much as I can. Yes. But for me, it was when when Lauren's mum left. So Monday, I think she left. Yeah. So she was here the weekend, and then she went. Lauren and I both sat down. I remember this so clearly, and we just both unloaded all our thoughts, all our feelings. It turned out Lauren had been upstairs having a bit of a cry, so she came downstairs, and we just both just sobbed. And talked about the birth and talked about all our fears and and everything that had happened. And we both just cried and hugged and it was amazing. It felt so good. And yeah. again, you know, we've said this before, men need to talk. Like this whole boys don't cry bullshit. It's just ridiculous. And for me, the fog suddenly lifted. And 
looking back about what I learned when I had the when I had the CBT and um, the cognitive behavioral therapy actually what was going on when I was talking was my brain was breaking up the experience and processing it because what happens is it's such a big event your brain can't process it your brain processes things all the time but mm-hmm. it does it in small little packages when you've had this big event like that it can't literally get through the processing system so by breaking it down and talking to Lauren a little bit I processed and honestly mate that next day I was like bang I'm back John's mm-hmm. back I was eating again I didn't feel sick da, 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 da. now there was some bits that I hadn't processed and they came back a year later but I think if you're a, a new dad you shouldn't feel guilty if you've gone through this chat to someone about it it's perfectly normal if you're about to be a dad realize you might go through this and some people it might be a lot shorter it might be like half an hour you feel a bit shit maybe you won't feel shit it might be a bit longer but i I, what i would like to tell people is you're probably going to have this little crash moment you're the entire fabric of your universe changes it really does feel like that and 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 that was that was the bit, a big shock for me because now talking about it now everything's normal you yeah know, having them sleep upstairs and, and dealing with them every day that's normal but your whole universe has shifted mm-hmm. it's like you're in a parallel universe and mm. of course that's going to be a big shock to the system of course it is emotionally physically I remember you I remember you didn't you have to go back to hospital or am yeah. I getting that wrong no we we did uh, forty eight hours later uh, she wasn't pooing uh, she didn't poo. Uh, Otley, not Danny, and it was very, it was very upsetting. You know, we we, mm. didn't, we didn't know. We're waiting for this big poo. I'd done the initial poo when she was born. I, I, I changed the nappy, and they, you know, they kind of the midwife said, "Okay, this is what you do. Come on, Daddy, you can do this." Mum's Danny was eating on a bourbon biscuit, which she says was the the best biscuit she'd ever had in her <laughs> life. Uh, we do have a photo of this biscuit, um, and uh, but she she wouldn't poo. She hadn't pooed, and and right. one one we had conflicting uh, information. One 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 said go to A and E. Google said you know advise a&e it could be normal and then we went to a&e and they said it was uh it was normal to breastfeed uh sorry it was normal for breastfed babies not to poo for days okay um and it was quite surreal because we we're up there waiting you know 48 hours old we were still not had much sleep and we're still getting used to it and we're back up there and they had to get this specialist who really ripped otterley's anus apart and it was it was it was quite uncomfortable to watch really she's she's lying back and uh it was the special what's the, the term for a, a baby doctor there is a word for it pediatric that's the one yeah. uh so literally we me and Danny are watching it literally like with her two thumbs would just pull her uh anus oh apart God. like rip just proper checking in and oh. it was like oh and Otto was screaming and we were com- consoling her and People are looking at us and in different wards, and it was very, very upsetting being back there. We thought, "What's what's wrong with her? You don't know." And of course, yeah. it ended up everything was fine, and she ended up. My God, I wish she still didn't poo. Certainly <laughs> making up for it. For nearly two years, mate. I remember. I remember one of the really important things, and um, and I would really recommend this if you can. And I know this, it's all very different, but. I remember speaking to a mate of mine and um, his wife suffered from postnatal depression. I was very, very lucky. Lauren's a ridiculous, you all you know, Lauren's a ridiculously strong woman. And after everything, she was absolutely fine. I was worse than her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember he, his wife had postnatal depression. And one thing he did was he tried to keep her inside 
wrap her up in the house and filled with fill the house with love and not go outside and he regrets that now okay um and i i you know there's there's scientific data about vitamin d from the sunshine and getting outside being good for you and and i said to lauren you know come on we're gonna go we're gonna go out let's let's go to the park let's 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 be brave let's break that let's go and get some sunshine how many days in was this this was like um the, maybe the monday or tuesday this is a couple of days yeah um and so we, we decided to go to the park and um oh my god it was so stressful <laughs> and and, and it's stupid little things we kind of and i think about it now when you just you just literally grab them chuck them in the car and go but then you gotta get everything ready at the back ready i don't know all we're doing is going to the park but the most precious thing we put him in the car seat took him down and put him in the isofix and we had these little legs as we know with the silver cross you can take the car seat out and put them on the legs mm-hmm. so we got to this park lauren can barely walk so she's struggling out the car oh bless her i couldn't get the car seat off the isofix right. i could not get this car seat off the isofix i was sweating i was like where's the button there must be a button i couldn't find the button so guys check check the instructions i was on youtube i was trying to find this thing lauren was like let's just leave it no i was no we're going into the park oh my god so eventually i managed to and this button was so obvious it was just the back of the car seat like at the top click that off went to put it on the wheels we'd forgotten the attachments to the wheels still in the box couldn't put the car seat on and so I was like, no, we're, we're going into this park where it kills us. So Lauren is hobbling across and I'm carrying the car seat now, which is bloody heavy. And I'm carrying and we see this bench and she's like, I really need to sit down, John. I feel a bit sick. And I was like, right, let's get, let's get to that bench and sit down. We're nearly there. This bloody woman just swipes in, just sits in the middle of the bench. I was like, you are kidding me. <laughs> I can hear so, the Benny Hill theme tune during this story. Carry oh, on. It really, really was like that. And then we saw another bench and I said to Lauren, like, I'm going to go and get that bench. You catch up. She, like I said, mate, she couldn't walk. So I ran over to this bench, got it. And then Lauren, poor thing, sort of hobbled over, eventually sat down. And we, we were just like, oh, my word, this is what have we a bit done? stressful, isn't it? But <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> what about you? What was your strategy with going outside or staying inside? What did you go? Completely the opposite to you, mate. It was a right. joy. It was one of our greatest moments. We look. Oh, back, I'm so pleased for you. We look back as if you know we could jump. We said last night. We we say this every night during lockdown when we get in bed. You should do this tonight with with Lauren to say where what if you could jump to a moment in our past, what would you jump to? And we both said for going out with with ottilie it was, it was three days in after bringing her home we, we i remember leaving the house with the pram we were so precious about pram it was like you know having a mercedes and starting it for the first time i've got a video of danny leaving the house slowly lifting up the little ramp the little lip to the door coming out to the path and you know now it's just you know screw that you know we smash the walls that we knock the, we knock the door we, the, we slam it against the gate we close the gate with the bed the pram uh, but we we bought a picnic from our favorite delicatessen in westgate and where we bought sausage rolls we headed down to the beach we just sat there for a while we we ate we ate and we've got a coffee and a slice of cake and we felt we still felt anxious about feed. We didn't know if um, she obviously was going to cry, if she was going to be distressed. But she was. She was great. She didn't cry at all. And it was you know we were out a good uh, a good a good hour and a half um, walking. You know a fair little walk to the beach. Sat on the top of the on the top of the, the beach and just looked over the promenade. And it was a beautiful moment, mate. 
Well, I'm really pleased for you. I knew you. <laughs> I knew you. <laughs> So, so next episode is actually the last in our, se- in our in our first season, Lloyd. I cannot believe it. Yes. Um, but let's cover off what we've missed today. So things like paternity leave, the gadgets, the gizmos, what things to get ready. Um, and then that's it. So how can people, you know, get in touch with us, um, ask questions? You can contact us at the following email address, podtrainingpodcast at gmail.com. Put all your questions, thoughts and theories uh, to us. We'd love to hear from you. Also, we're on all the social media platforms. That's Twitter and Facebook. It's just Poddy Training or Instagram at Poddy Training Podcast. Our website is also www.poddytrainingpodcast.com where there's information about me and Jonathan, uh, all our podcasts are there there's photos and all sorts of fun stuff so uh get in contact we'd love to hear from you brilliant mate thank you as always i will speak to you next week for the uh for the last time this season cheers johnny boy and thank you for my book i've got to say i've received a book tonight within the last hour it is diary of a desperate dad by sam jackson highly recommended by jonathan and it was a surprise for me love you for that mate thank you so much you're very welcome i hope you enjoy it um do read it because sam's actually agreed to come on um in season two so um have a read and uh, we'll look forward to welcoming him in the next season but uh, for now uh, my name's john and uh, thanks very much for listening thanks everyone see you next time 